This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Celebrating 25 years as your host of the Garden Hotline. Here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Good gardening, folks. We are live and lively from St. Louis Composting Valley Park Facility, which is on Elam. Basically, it's off uh, 141, just north of 44. And I'll tell you, this place is absolutely outrageously interesting and fun and everything else. So now you know where we are. How's your landscape? How about your lawn? How about your garden, your houseplants? What's on your mind? Remember, this is your show, and I'm here to help you make good, sound decisions and give you some options, but ultimately it's going to be your choice on what you choose to do. So healthy plants means work, timing, and information. So if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. The true brains behind this live and lively broadcast is Greg's back in the studio producing, and Alex is here as the engineer. (laughs) He's ready to go. I'm Mike Miller. I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. And uh, I do write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine as well. During the week, I do something I call a walk and talk, where I come to your home and help you make decisions in your landscape. So you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's going to be my email address and phone number. You can contact me, and we'll set up a time. And... uh, the Good Gardening Stroll today is brought to you by, what a coincidence, St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Uh, front loaders buzzing like bees. Tractor trailers moving through the area like earthworms. A very organic situation here at St. Louis Composting. And steam was rising from all the products as they cook before they're ready to go. Dump trucks, compost, soil, mulch, sits and waits saying, fill me up next. There's bag material hoping to go home with you. Bin number 44, no, not 44, bin number 24 says raised bed mix. So raised bed mix, we're going to be talking about that a little bit later. And then sitting next to that is bin number 25, which is the garden mix. The garden mix looks a little bit low, so it better be refilled. And um, newly arrived organic material is sitting back and just waiting to be separated and deciding what each part is going to be made into. And uh, St. Louis composting, giant trees. I mean, the trunks, 36 to 48 inches, soon will be shredded into mulch. Birds are singing. It's a sunny day. Hooray! That's what they're saying. It is sunny a little bit further out from the front of the building where we're sitting. But uh, a little breeze... uh, I'll tell you, the, the aroma, it's like nature's fresh ground coffee. That's what St. Louis composting smells like. And around the headquarters building, the viburnums are showing perfectly white blooms. Mounds of mint, welcome spring. Ornamental grasses awaken as hornbeams do as well. 
So it's a perfect day. I mean, there's like six or seven trucks with trailers lined up here, ready to be loaded up. So St. Louis Composting for all your organic needs, 636-861-3344. Or if you have any questions or concerns about your landscape, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back right after these messages. The only way you can take KMOX with you is with the Radio.com app. Download it today and listen to us anytime, anywhere. KMOX. Good, gar- good gardening. I guess uh, we're a little bit disoriented here. We're outside the St. Louis Composting Headquarters. We've got all kinds of trucks and everything else going on. I didn't hear the music sort of like leading me back on the air. But if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head out to Wentzville for our first call and see what's going on with Al. Hi, Al. Hi, Mike. Happy Easter to you. Same to you. I have uh, two uh, short questions. I have uh, two dogwoods from the conservation department. They're about nine foot tall, four inches coming out of the ground in diameter, and I have not seen a bloom yet. Is there anything I can do? Nope. Basically, the, the let's say the pure native dogwood, not a hybrid, takes multiple, multiple, multiple years before you're going to get any flowers at all. I mean, it's nope. great to have the true native, but the hybrids start flowering at a very young age, especially versus the, let's say, true native dogwood, which is the Cornus Florida. So there's nothing you can do to accelerate the blooming process or anything else. Uh, My second question, you may not like my second question, (laughs) because Uh uh, do you know of any spray that would kill zoysia grass invading my yard but not kill the grass? (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> no, darn. I mean, yeah, I can make very, up something. Invasive. Yes, it is. But no, there's nothing that's going to be selectively be able to kill the zoysia and not impact your fescues or your bluegrass yeah. or whatever type of lawn that you might have. Fescue lawn, yeah. Yeah, nope. so nope. Okay, well, Sorry. thank you very much. Yeah, I wish there was something because it is problematic in lots of different situations. You know, you some questions? people call it a southern weed. Are you aware of that? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Anything we don't like is going to be a weed. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks again. Have a good one. Yes, you too. And if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We're live and lively here at St. Louis Composting. I mean, this place is absolutely wild and crazy, and it's great fun. So... Let's see, we just had Al, and now let's go to Doug, and Doug is in Maryland Heights. Hi, Doug. Good morning, Mike. Appreciate all you do and all the information you share. Well, thank you. Um, And the question I'm going to ask may or may not be appropriate as you're coming from St. Louis composting, but uh, could you comment on the pros and cons of synthetic mulch, which seems to be a, uh, a shredded rubber product? but retains its color, which is a plus. Right. 
basically we you know it, it was really popular for a few years back and they were finding that it was causing problems with actually leaching some of the chemical qualities of the artificial whatever it was made of this was mainly like shredded tires that had been uh, uh, I guess died but uh, you're putting most down not only for the cosmetics but you're putting most down to benefit the plant material too and anything that's synthetic is not going to benefit the plant material at all. So it's strictly like putting makeup on a face or something like that. It doesn't benefit your health or anything whatsoever. Where a natural organic you know, mulch or compost or whatever breaks down and helps your plant material root systems and everything else. So that's a disadvantage or advantage. Well, I don't use makeup, so maybe I should not use that synthetic mulch, I guess. Exactly, but. right. Well, thank, thank you very much for your input. Have a great day. Well, thank day. you. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, it's the artificial stuff. You know, I mean, a lot of people don't necessarily use, let's say, synthetic, but they'll use a rock mulch. And the rock mulch, again, it's it's fine. It doesn't break down or anything else, but it doesn't necessarily help the plant material all that much. Let's go to Cottleville and go into Karen Jard. Hi, Karen. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have some pots in our backyard. They're 19 inches in diameter and about 17 inches tall. And I would like to plant some evergreens in there, but not have to, you know, take them out or, um, you know, bring them inside over the winter. And I'd like some evergreens that aren't, like, prickly. Do you have any suggestions? Well, there's prickly. I don't know. if Does that mean one with needles? Yes. Well, and it can be needles, but like I know cypress are soft needles. I'm thinking just not like the uh, loose fruits or something like that. Right. Uh, basically, there's a, a an evergreen which actually has a yellowish cast to it called gold thread branch cypress. I've grown them in containers for years and years and years and had very good luck with them. And okay. uh, basically, what they're going to do is. The pot will kind of bonsai it, so you don't have to, you know, you don't have to put it into a bigger pot, and uh, probably that would be something that's going to give you a little bit more unusual look to it. And there's a, you know, don't get, stay away from a, a plant called Hinoki cypress. Uh, let's see what else. There's a couple other Leland cypress. You might try one of those as well. So that gives you two options. Okay, great. Thanks a lot for your help. Certainly, my pleasure. And now let's go to. Lynn, and I can't exactly see where Lynn is calling from. St. Louis? Is that correct? Hi. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hi. Very good. Um, I had the most gorgeous hibiscus last year, and I brought it inside um, because I thought I'd try it again this year. Will it work by bringing it outside this year? Uh, it's going to be, how did it look while you had it inside? A lot of times hibiscus don't make the transition really good from the outside to the inside during the wintertime because of lack of light and everything else, even if it's in front of a really sunny window, they lose a lot of foliage. They flower very irregularly, if at all. And then when they go back outside, that transition back, you'd think, would revive them, but it doesn't necessarily do so. I mean, you could try it, but... Uh, if you are disappointed by less around Memorial Day after it's been outside for a month or so, then I'd say give up on it and just go ahead and get a new one. Okay, so they they don't come back typically. 
No, really. They they have a really rough time doing it. Sometimes they will, but it's a very sl- painful, slow process. And a lot of times you sit and you wait for the entire growing season, and you end up with, let's say, disappointment. Okay. All right. Thank you. Certainly. Let's go to Lane now. Lane, how are you today? Hello, Lane. Oh, I guess we're having some problems here. And so in your own landscape, what about the problems? I'll tell you, I wish Patrick Garrity was here. I've known Patrick for a long time, way before he even started St. Louis Composting. He installed some of my design work. He had a lawn service and everything else. And Patrick, this is an organic place, so uh, they've got a little bit of henbit growing around here. I like it. It looks great. It's fantastic. That's what you're going to see as you're driving around all over the metropolitan area with us kind of about six or eight inches high and uh, with the purplish flowers. It's in the, it's sort of a lamium group, in the mint group. It has uh, square stems, so understand that. Other things that are going to be just exploding now are the cool season weeds. And the, besides the henbit, the chickweed, the annual bluegrass, the prickly lettuce, the Persian speedwell, which has small bluish flowers on it, those are things that actually started germinating last August, early September, and grew through the entire winter time, regardless of how cold it got. And now, it's when spring's here, they explode, they start flowering, and they start dropping seeds all over the place. So this is what uh, we're looking at. As far as post-emergent control, yes, you can use a broadleaf weed killer to kill them off. But just understand, the whole time that they've been flowering, they've been dropping seeds, and those seeds will lay there. The mother plants, or the father plant, either one, whatever it happens to be, will die when it starts getting warm. So sometime around, uh, let's say, mid to late May, early June, they'll disappear. You'll think, oh, thank goodness, that problem is gone. But the problem isn't gone from the standpoint that it's been dropping, these plants have been dropping thousands and thousands and thousands of seeds. So that's when next August, early September, you put a pre-emergent down, and then as those seeds germinate, it will kill the seeds, and you know it'll be a slow process. It's not going to happen with just one application. So just understand that. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We'll be back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we're live and lively from St. Louis Composting Valley Park location, and uh, that's right down here at, off 141 and 44 on Elam Avenue. If you haven't been down this direction for a while, it's uh, just pay attention to the signs and everything. You can find us real easily. It's only one of six locations, and actually... There's a representative of St. Louis Composting here from the other one of the other locations. Actually, the biggest location for St. Louis Composting. This is the Belleville facility, Mine Hall Road. And joining me right now is Tom Tharp. Tom, how are you? Hey, good. Good morning, Mike. Great. What brings you here? Well, uh, it's a beautiful day in uh, St. Louis, and let's take advantage of it. Get right. some things done around the house. So basically, did you have to spend the night over here on this side of the river because it's so far away? I did have to get up before <laughs> breakfast this morning. Yeah, it was, uh, it's a long and arduous trip over to Valley Park. <laughs> 
So what, what? I mean, St. Louis composting has all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. I mean, different kinds of soils, different kinds of mulches, different kinds of blends. And what's one that you think really deserves an extra, let's say, emphasis? So this time of year, we uh, we really are, are working with a lot of folks on our raised bed mixes. A lot of folks are getting their vegetable and uh, flower gardens started. Uh, we've put together a mix with that use, utilizes uh, our compost, some native soil, some sand, and some pine bark, which gives us a really nicely balanced soil mix for folks to uh, do seeding into or start with uh, small plants and really be successful with it. But when you, we say raised bed mix, mm-hmm. we don't necessarily have to have sides on the raised bed. Oh, absolutely we? not. So you, you can just add it to the existing soil and create a bed space sure. that's higher than the surrounding ground, and that's going to be to the advantage of the plant material. Yeah, absolutely. The idea behind the raised bed mix is to let water in and out more easily, uh, particularly with the wet season that we've had so far. Uh, we're, we're hoping to avoid things that can happen with, uh, with bedding plants like root rot. Uh, getting that uh, that opportunity to drain out a little bit really is surprisingly good for the plants. Right, and also not just the water in and out, that's important, but the air going oh, in yeah. and out as well. Yeah, we want to I be mean, able to... I mean, the root systems have to breathe. That's really crucial. We want to be able to uh, introduce oxygen into the root zones, and, and uh, the plants take up oxygen, uh, as well as uh, uh, releasing some carbon dioxide and so on. So, so how long have you been with St. Louis Composting? I, this summer will be seven years for me. Wow, yeah. great. Yeah. And always over in Belleville? My office uh, is in Belleville, but more often than not, I'm on the road, so I could be anywhere. Really? Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, I travel anywhere from uh, Springfield to Kansas City and, and uh, all around St. Louis and wh- whatever it takes, wherever, uh, wherever folks need me. And so do you use St. Louis composting products? Absolutely. <laughs> I, have, I have a really good source for it. <laughs> but, I mean, is there anything that's sort of, I know the, the neat thing about, you know, Patrick and the way he's put this company together, mm-hmm. I've known him way before he even started the company, right. is he, he doesn't sit back on the laurels. Mm-hmm. He's always looking to make changes and things like that. So, I mean, this year there's been some changes been you know made with some of the blends and things like that because you can't sit back and just think well it's worked you got to keep changing and looking maybe there won't be any changes but you know to be accepting that their changes could make something a little bit better mm-hmm. that i think that's a great quality you know, of the company constant improvement is is what it's all about and and ultimately we want the folks that deal with us to have better success with their gardens um, because if it works, you're going to try to do it again, and, and folks will come back and see us. Right. And it's, I mean, uh, kind of not related to necessarily St. Louis composting, but don't you think this spring has been one of the most spectacular springs so far as far as uh, flowering trees? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're looking great. I, I thought, sure, it was going to get so cold when it, you know, we had that really cold temperature yep. that we would have no spring flowering on the trees at all. Right. But how wrong could I have been? It's right. been amazing. I, I work with a uh, nursery uh, that grows a lot of ornamental trees up on the north side of, of uh, St. Louis and Illinois. That uh, I was out at their place the other day, and their red buds and crab apples are just rocking and rolling out and there. The they look woods. outstanding. Dogwoods, too, yeah. Well, great. Well, thanks, Tom. Absolutely. All Glad right. to talk to you. And now let's go back to the phones. Let's head to Nancy's yard in Melville. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Mike. Yes. Mike, are you there? Oh, man. Mike, hello? Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Hi, 
Nancy, are you not no longer there? Let's go to Tony in South City then. Hello? Yes, go ahead, Tony. Okay. Hey, I'm trying to uh, start some cucumber plants inside, but uh, they're all up. Cucumber plants are up, but the stem's like, oh, six inches long. They look healthy, but is that too laggy for them, or can I put them in a deeper pot and uh, bury them up to them leaves like I would with tomato plants? No, you can't really do that. I mean, burying those stems like that, you could cause some real problems. So I would avoid doing that. I would say, you know, we're going to have some warmer weather. I'd get them in the ground as soon as you possibly could. I mean, this was a little bit extreme as far as the cold goes, but it didn't probably get cold enough that's going to do any damage. The only thing about putting out, let's say, summer vegetables is in the cooler weather, they're just not going to do, you know, much growth. But they, it shouldn't be cool enough that's actually going to cause any damage for them. So, I, to be honest with you, I'd get them outside and get them in the ground. Oh, I was wondering about it. Maybe I should replant again. Yeah, I, to be honest, I would. That's why I don't necessarily... A lot of people like to do that, start seeds indoors. But to, with our screwball weather, to get it coordinated so they can transition you know, at the right time outside into the landscape or into the garden or whatever it happens to be, is really difficult to do. Okay. All right, well, I'll try it again. I don't have nothing to lose. <laughs> Thanks. Now let's go back right, to Nancy. Nancy? Nancy and Melville, how are you? Hi, Mike. I have two questions, one about my vegetable garden, one about a Japanese maple. I have a Japanese maple that's in a front landscaping that has, like, the uh, landscape brick, so I guess it's a little bit higher than the, the ground level. It's uh-huh. doing great, but I noticed that there is a root, uh, I don't know if that's maybe two fingers thick, that's kind of running across the top in a horizontal direction. What is that indication of? Do I need more soil in there, or what's going on with that? Definitely don't, you know, don't pile soil up on the trunk of any kind of tree or any kind of woody plant or anything at all. Just leave it alone. That's just, you know, kind of the transition of if you want to put mulch over it, that's fine. But definitely do not try to bury the root. Okay. Okay. And then I have like a 14 by 20 uh, vegetable garden. Last year did not do so well because um, I waited or it took too long to get the, the soil test back, which came back great we didn't have to add anything so by the time i put things in it wasn't really doing so well so this year i've got the starter plants and i have um roma tomatoes cherry tomatoes brussels sprouts uh, peppers and then i have some herbs should i do the herbs in separate pots yes very much so the herbs need to have much less water and much and basically no fertilizer to get the best test best taste and best flavor out of your herbs so you can't put them in with the same you know in the same space where you're going to be growing tomatoes which need a lot of water and a lot of fertilizer okay so is the liquid miracle grow for um for like tomatoes good enough for in the garden for all the other vegetables i would say get um you know of a type of fertilizer specifically for the tomatoes because okay. it's going to have some of the micronutrients that just rather really, say regular fertilizer doesn't have, like calcium, which prevents blossom end rot on your tomatoes, and that should be adequate for the other, you know, uh, the other plants that you had mentioned too. 
Okay, and I have one other question. We're getting ready to, to till the uh, garden, and I'm just wondering if I should add more um, of the garden mix or if I should just add compost when we're turning it over. Uh, compost would be perfect. Okay. I appreciate it, Mike, and have a happy Easter. Will you do the very same thing? Let's see if we can get another call in before break. John lives in Hazelwood. Hi, John. Yes. Uh, how you doing, Mike? Got several questions here. I have. Uh, we put in some knockout roses last year, but failed to trim them back at all. Is it is it okay to trim them back now and let them go keep coming out? They're probably. I mean, a lot of the growth has already emerged. I'm assuming. So you should yeah, have actually is- pruned them. They should have been pruned really before the new growth began. But you okay. can go ahead. And I would I would go ahead and just leave them alone and get that first flush of flowering. And then one, one which should come around, I guess, is Memorial Day or something like that. Then after okay. the first flush, I'd prune them back at that time. <clears throat> okay. Is it too early to put out cannabis bulbs? Uh, no, I've already got mine out. Okay. How about I'm, annual I'm already, plants? Uh, depends upon you know which ones. Sometimes you can put them out, but it was just like I was talking to the gentleman about with his cucumbers and plants like that. You can sit them. You know, if you put them out, it's gonna it's gonna be you know potentially the ground is still gonna be cool, so they're just not gonna do much growth. You can do it, but just don't expect a whole lot out of them. Right. Until the ground really starts warming up. Okay. And when is the best time to plant a dogwood tree in the fall or now? Uh. Availability, probably, you know, my, you know, sometimes I go contrary to what, you know, is always, let's say, the best way. But uh, if it's in flower now, I would say don't plant because, you know, the flowering is, you know, kind of stressful. But if you are going to plant at this time of year, which would be fine, just realize that it's going to take extra care on your part as far as making sure it doesn't go through any kind of drought stress or anything like that. Also, always dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball but only about 80 percent as deep so in other words the top part of the root ball will be above the surrounding ground okay one more question we have surprise lilies that come up had all the greenery like we would on for daffodils and they always die back and then you get them later on when is the best time to transplant those uh the when you can actually find them because the surprise lilies you know they shoot up the foliage and then the foliage dies off and then in August or late July, then that, that's when they shoot up the flower stalk with the pink flowers. Okay, so basically, if, if, if I know where they're at, just do it in the fall? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Okay, thank you very much. Yep, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. The Stanley Cup playoffs continue tonight. The Blues will come home to game six with a 3-2 series lead. Will the Blues clinch the series against the Jets? Or will Winnipeg force a game seven? Find out. It's game six tonight. Pre-game skate 530. The puck drops at six. Hear it on Y98FM. Streaming on KMOX.com. And following Cards Baseball on KMOX. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Back to the phones we go, and we're headed out to Chesterfield. Jan, how are you today? Hi, good morning. Uh, I have about I have about six evergreen trees, maybe 20 to 25 feet tall, looking a little scraggly at the bottom. What's the best way to fertilize those? Uh, j- just because they're looking scraggly... 
bottom doesn't necessarily mean fertilizer is going to actually help them all that much. So if they're wider at the top, that can you know also be a factor. But any kind of evergreen needs a fertilizer that has sulfur and iron in it. So in other words, an acid-based fertilizer. But the best thing you could probably do would be my recommendation is feed your soil rather than just fertilizing the trees. Feeding your soil means something called deep root feeding where you take an earth auger, electric drill, you auger holes around the tree, several different series of circles, and backfill those holes with compost. Healthy soil is the best way to get a healthier plant. Fertilizing is great. But the healthy soil, if the soil is not healthy and not really working well for the plant material, then regardless of the fertilizer, it's not going to change that much. Okay. Okay. Well, I thank you for your help. Certainly. I mean, I I hate to like kind of be blunt like that, but uh, really the soil is, it's the magic. And the fertilizer is, you know, can add something, but it doesn't, uh, it's not going to be the great formula. So thanks, Jan. And now let's go to uh, St. Charles and see what's going on with Judy. Judy, how are you today? Hey, Mike. Fine, thank you. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, sure. Our backyard is a mess. <laughs> we have two big ash trees, and I think they soak up a lot of the water, that, you know, when you get rain. So right. we have um, half of our yard is mud right now. And then we have about the left, the part that's left, 30% of that is African violets. And then we do have a little bit of grass. How do we go about trying to get a decent lawn back there? Sell your house and go someplace that doesn't have any trees <laughs> in the backyard. You're never going to get a lawn back there. If you have large yeah. trees or you have a bunch of small trees, it's not the shade factor that is part of it. But the tree root systems are not only absorbing all the water or a lot of the water, but all the nutrients as well. And you're not going to have successful lawn in a circumstance like that. You can go down to the botanical garden and walk in the shaded areas where they have large trees. And even where they have people working eight hours a day, five days a week, the lawn is not going to be perfect. And they're overseeding on a constant basis, sometimes twice a year. And so... You're just, you can't, in your circumstance, you just have to embrace what there is there and enjoy the violets. And, and, well, I know you don't want to necessarily enjoy the mud, but there's not too much else you can really do to make any difference. Hmm. Well, we don't want to walk around in the mud. Isn't there something we can do? (laughs) You could try traditional type ground covers, like liriope, lily turf, you know, ivies periwinkles, those type thing, or where, you know, this is a situation where maybe hostas, ferns, perennials, you know, purple leaf, uh, let's say coral bells, there's lots of different perennials that can work in these spaces, but you're not going to ever really, other than traditional ground covers or perennials, you're never going to have a lawn there. You could spend a fortune mentally and financially and never Mm -hmm. end up with much more than what you have now. But those those perennials you're talking about, they will grow in that situation? Yeah. I mean, just make sure that you check, you know, some of them. I don't know how wet is wet, you know, as far as what you have. But uh, there are perennials that can grow, like a stilbees can grow in a wetter soil. There are some of the ferns that can grow in a wetter soil. So, yes, there are some that can handle a wet soil circumstance. But if it's not well, wet right all the time... 
No, it's just wet now because of the rain and everything. I mean, it's just, right. you know, it dries out and gets very dry. Okay, so no you're going to have to improve the you know you're going to have to improve the soil with like a St. Louis composting raised bed mix, and then the hostas, the ferns, and all those kind of plant materials, the uh, lungwort, the I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of perennials that can handle that situation pretty well. You know, and I'm speaking from experience of working at the botanical garden in the English woodland garden where that was solid trees, and we had. You know, a, a really great array of different kinds of ground covers and perennials as well. Some of the things that didn't work so well with all those tree roots was azaleas and some of the other, let's say, flowering shrubs. But some of them did pretty well. I mean, like witch hazels did quite well. The cornelian cherry did quite well. So there, and Harry Louder's walking stick, some of the Japanese maples. So you're just going to have to kind of turn your back and say, we're not going to have a successful lawn here, and then decide what you want to do beyond that. Okay, so raised, raised beds are right. organic. So in other words. Just putting that kind of mulch over the top. Or yeah, no, you're going to mix it in there? with the you, yeah, you're going to okay. mix it in with okay. the existing soil, not just lay it on okay. top of the ground. Okay. Okay. So it's going to be a lot right. of work. There's no full, no getting around it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your help. Certainly. Well, thank you. And uh, if we're almost through with this hour, but if anybody has any questions or concerns. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Angie, if you could do it from St. Ed, if you could do it kind of quickly, we can get you in in this hour. Yeah, it's about bees. I know I sound free, but I'm old. I just want to see the bees pollinate in a in, in pots. Can you tell me the flowers to put in there? Basically, anything that has colorful flowers in the sunflower family, so in other words, a lot of petals with the, with the center, that's you know that's a good one. Lantana is a good one, you know that can handle a situation in pots. A lot of different things you can grow in pots. Anything that pretty much has flowers on, at least they're going to come around and look. The mints you can grow in pots do quite well in that situation. So I mean the array of different things that you could grow that would be attractive to the bees. It doesn't necessarily mean all of a sudden when you put it out the bees are going to be there, but if you know, that's the way you got to go is the sunflower family, the mints, things that have a lot of different kinds of, you know, a lot of different flowers on them is going to be the most attractive. Cool. Thank you. Yep. And lantana is a very good one, too. It's kind of a shrubby type. So, uh, well, that finishes us for the first hour here at St. Louis Composting Headquarters down here in Valley Park. So... If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And, uh, boy, today, this morning, it was kind of cool, but uh, the sun is so bright, there's not a cloud in the sky. And if you get a chance, head out there and just look around, and even in your neighborhood or maybe even in your own yard. The trees are absolutely spectacular. And... Uh, the warmer weather, you know, kind of sent some of the spring flowering bulbs downhill quick. So some of the tulips are finished, some of the daffodils are finished, but there are a lot of things still to come. So the summer bulbs are great. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We'll see you after the news. 
KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Celebrating 25 years as your host of the Garden Hotline, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, good gardening, and we are live and lively from St. Louis Composting Valley Park Facility, one of several throughout the metropolitan area. This one happens to be located on Elam Avenue, which is just north of 44 on the west side of 141. Very easy to find. And we've got uh, Greg back in the studio producing and Alex here as the engineer. Second hour means the tip of the trial. I'll be giving the tip in a few moments. But thanks for having me on your show. And remember, if you were not there, I wouldn't be here. And uh, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. So we can talk about uh, your annuals, your bulbs. What do you do when your tulips are finished? Do you just kind of dig them up, throw them away, or what happens to them? Or your daffodils or things like that. So cut the foliage. Leave the foliage as long as you can until it starts turning brown. Don't bend them over. Don't rubber band them or anything. And uh, just, you know, when the flowers have fallen off, they've fallen off. And just leave the foliage, and hopefully you can build up the bulbs for next year. Your cool season vegetables, your warm season vegetables, your ground covers, your house plants, your tropicals, your lawn, your perennials, your roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. Please remember my answers, comments, and opinions are strictly offered as an option to help you achieve your goal in your landscape. And certainly by no means is the only garden path to take. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. And I also write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine. If you're considering changes or just trying to figure out what's going on in your landscape, whether aesthetic or problem-solving, if you'd like for me to come over to your home and do a walk-and-talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and the homepage will have my email and phone number there as well. So troubleshooting, design, care, maintenance, or whatever it happens to be. Today's tip of the trowel, a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Kind of a non-traditional tip of the trowel. Um, I've got a 13-year-old car, and uh, I take it to uh, Brentwood Volvo, and they take care of it. And I was just there the other day, and they were just as smooth and everything as possible. So a tip of the trial goes out to Brentwood Volvo. Also, St. Louis Earth Day Festival celebrates its 30th year. And that's going to be coming up next weekend, the 27th and 28th. They're on the Muni grounds, 200-plus vendors, and Earth Day 365. It's it's a fantastic thing. Like I said, 200 vendors, activities, exhibits, all sorts of things going on down there. So a tip of the trial goes out to Earth Day Festival, 30th year. For more information, you can go to www.earthday-365.org. So you think, well, what do I want to go there? It's at the Muni, it's in Forest Park, but they're going to have remote locations where you can park off out of the Forest Park and then you'll have be able to get rides to the actual Earth Day celebration. You can find out about all that by going again to www.earthday-365.org. Also, the tip of the trial goes out to the Green Center. The Green Center is that facility in 
uh, University City, and they really focus on teaching kids about the outdoors. And they're having something, so Flowers for the Garden, an art exhibit, which is going to be, it'll begin opening on May 1st. So if you're interested in that, uh, wow, the artist is fantastic. So just the the Green Center is located at uh, Blackberry Avenue in St. Louis. <laughs> it's actually in University City. So you can go to thegreencenter.org and get more information about going to the Flowers for the Garden Art Exhibit, which is, opens on May 1st. So all kinds of different other stuff going on. Let's see if we can get a call in before we go to break. Let's go to George, and George is in Sunset Hills. Hi, George. Hey, good morning, Mike. Just a couple of easy questions, I'm sure, for you. I, you know, I've been trying to start a butterfly garden, uh, and I was reading about milkweeds. Uh, can you still purchase them or get them from your local uh, extension office? Uh, I would say you'd have to contact them. I couldn't tell you yes or no, but uh, I would think that you should be able to. But I don't. I not. You know, I would think so, but I'm not probably right about that. I think you're probably going to have to go uh, maybe to a, like a wild, uh, like pure air natives or something like that, try to get the seeds or try to get the plants as opposed to going to the extension service. Okay. Now, now milkweeds, did, you know, I really don't see them anymore in this area. Uh, it, are they prevalent here? Well, I mean... A lot of people are doing butterfly gardens. Are we talking about the milkweed that's the vine, more or less? Are we talking about the one that has the orange, the small clusters of, you know, or clusters of small orange flowers? Well, I guess, you know, milk, when I was a kid, I lived in Indiana. The milkweeds always had pods on them. Right. And that's the one that's a vine that the seeds go everywhere. So the other, the other milkweed, I mean, you should be able to get them both, you know, flower, seed-wise or plant-wise. Just to, you know, you're just gonna have to probably look around a little bit as far as online. Okay, and they'll grow here, not a problem. Oh yeah, no problem at all. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Yep, Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. Back after these messages. Depend on KMOX when news breaks. News on the hour, 24 hours a day, with bulletins at any time on News Radio 1120 KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. We're headed to Bob's yard, and that happens to be in South City. Hi, Bob. Yeah, Mike, on these flowers that everybody refers to as surprise when that greenery is up, which is about 14, 16 inches high, Right. If that was cut back to about six inches high, would that affect the flower coming up later on in the summer? Absolutely. You need to have the foliage as big as it possibly can be because the foliage is how the plant makes, uh, not just with the surprise lilies, anything, that's how it makes food. So you're reducing the amount of food that could be made, so consequently that could have an impact on the bulb being built up to be able to flower later in the year. So don't cut it back. Okay. Thank you very much. Certainly. Now let's yeah, go to Eric. Oh, let's go to Eric in St. Charles. Hi, Eric. Hello, Eric. 
Are you there? Hey, can you hear me? Yes. Hey, um, I have something that I think is a burning bush. It is probably eight foot tall now, and it's greening. Can I prune it back about a third, or do I need to wait for the fall time to do that? Well, you could do it now. It's just it's going to look kind of ugly because yeah. it's. I'm assuming it's you know the foliage is emerging and everything else. Really, ideally, ideally you should prune any you know pretty much anything. And even though that's not really known for its flowering or anything at all, it just may take it a long time to reset flower or foliage buds. And so, not only aesthetically through the entire growing season while the foliage is still green. It's not going to look all that good, but uh, definitely in the fall, it's not going to have as much foliage to give you that red. So I would wait until the foliage falls off, prune it at that time, or any time between that and when the new growth begins in the springtime. So you've got okay. about three or four months. Is um is a third too much? Or is a third okay? Like I said, it's, it's like seven to eight feet tall now. Yeah, a third is a lot, but uh, you should be able to get by with that. I definitely you know. Normally, I don't like to cut more than 25% off, but if you wanted to do a third, you could go ahead and try it. Okay. And then um, any advice for someone who struggles to grow pepper plants in their garden? <laughs> they need the same care as tomatoes do. So tomato food. water? Yeah. Okay. And food and fertilize and fertilize and fertilize. All Any kind of, you know let's say edible really needs a lot of food to keep it up and you know going well also uh, you know a well-drained soil so yeah. if the soil if it's not well drained then it's got it's going to have problems i do those above ground gardens you know i mix in five kinds of compost so it's really loose but i've right. never i've never done a lot of fertilizing because i thought maybe the compost was rich enough to carry it through but obviously i was wrong right awesome. so you got to Fertilize probably every fourteen to you know fourteen to twenty one days. Oh, okay. Any and any particular brand that you like? I use tomato food. Okay. So I anything it doesn't matter which brand, just you know, get it specifically and it says tomato, you know, tomato fertilizer, or tomato food on it. All right. Thank you very much, Mike. S- certainly. Now let's go to Elaine, and Elaine is in St. Louis. Hi, Elaine. Hi there. Um, question about azaleas. Uh, I've had them for a long time. Every year they've come up just beautifully. I don't do anything to them to, because I can't. Um, but uh, this year I don't think they're going to make it. They have, they've got buds, and, but they're not blooming. Usually by this time they're finished blooming. Uh, so well, the question is, do you think they'll still bloom? I rather doubt it. But if they don't, I'd like to replace them with some kind of easy care bushes, very low bushes, and I only need two or three little bushes, and I don't know what kind to get, something that does not require care, as I cannot care for things like that. Well, your azaleas, it's a roll of dice. It may be weather-wise and everything else. Historically, if they've bloomed prior to this, that doesn't really have too much to say about when they should bloom this year. If the, do they still have foliage on them? I mean, are they, do they look okay other than a, um, you just have the, a flower? They have foliage, but it looks kind of weak. It's not very strong-looking foliage. 
it looks kind uh-huh. of straggly. But, uh, well, but there maybe are a they're... bunch of bu- buds, but nothing's happening. I wouldn't necessarily rush out and get rid of them. But mm-hmm. uh, if in the when you decide that you want to get rid of them, look at a plant called Nandina. N-A-N-D-I-N-A. N-A-N-Z-I? No, D. Okay, D-I-N-A. N-A. Right. And as, that's a bush, a green, that's evergreen a small, bush. It's, it keeps its foliage as broadleaf evergreen, and it's uh, it's pretty tough. Okay, Nan- Nandina. Right. Okay, thanks a lot. Certainly, and now let's go to... Let's see, I can't... Can't read us. Let's see. Is it Dick in uh, South City? Oh, it's Mike. Rick. Sorry, Mike. Yes. Hello. Hi, Mike. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, so about two weeks ago, I worked the soil and I put down grass seed in my front yard, and it, I planted it in a mixture of manure and compost. And now it's come up nicely, and it's you know it's looking great. And so my question is, I'm trying to figure out how to continue to nurture this new grass into the summertime. And is it okay to fertilize it? Should it is it okay to put a weed, weed and seed on there? I mean, what, how do you deal with this, these young seeds? And I guess when would you mow it? Basically, I'm assuming it's like bluegrass or fescue seed that you put down. Right, it's fescue. Yeah, so you got to be very, very because those are cool season grasses. You have to be very careful about fertilizing them. Because if you start forcing growth as we start getting warmer and warmer into the hot, then you're going to really cause, I mean, you're going to cause and create real problems for the newly germinated seeds. So I would say don't fertilize it. You know, just kind of, you're just going to have to kind of keep your fingers crossed. Because did you fertilize it when you put it down at all? No, but it's, it's okay. growing. It's, come up, it's probably about two inches long right now. Okay. Uh, let's see. It's still mid-April. You could uh, maybe do a, a seed starter type fertilizer, even though the seed is already up and going. That's probably what I would recommend. Is you know, if you're going to put down any kind of fertilizer at all. But we're almost to the end of time when you know fertilizing won't be to the disadvantage of the plants. What about a weed weed killer over this? Uh, let's see. The seed has been up how long? Well, it, I, it's now two weeks into it. I would say stay away from herbicides because even if a broadleaf weed killer, in theory, shouldn't hurt your grass, it may have some impact on it. And that's what we got to understand that sometimes newly germinated anything, you know, can an herbicide, even though it's specifically not supposed to go after that particular plant or plant group, could have a bad, you know, bad impact on it. Now, the last so question say, I. We, one quick last question on this. We've been in this house for over 15 years, and we've always had a hard time getting the lawn to grow, but we have giant street trees. Well, they took down a huge one, so now this lawn's getting a whole lot more sun. Do you think that's going to matter, or do you think that the old tree roots are still going to hurt the, the lawn? The tree roots are going to be impactful for multiple years after the tree has already been removed, even if the stump has been ground out. The sun is a factor for sure, but the tree roots, you know, all the feeder roots that you know compete with your lawn are in the top 12 to 15 inches of the soil and the the roots don't know they've been beheaded so they're going to continue to take up nutrients and moisture and everything else 
and slowly but surely they'll implode, but it's going to take several years before they finally, let's say, get exhausted and stop absorbing and, you know, basically collapse or rot underneath the ground. So it's going to be a long time before you're going to have a successful lawn in that situation. All right, Mike. Well, thank you. I appreciate your help. Thanks. Certainly. And let's see if we can go to Day, and Day is in St. Louis. Hi, Day. Hi. Hi, Mike. Hi. Mike, Mike I'm an elderly, handicapped old lady, and I have about 10 uh, bushes in front of my house. I would like them cut down real low. Do you or do you know anyone, or do you do it? Cut them down for me. Cut them down to so they're very low. Uh, no, I don't do anything. I'm too lazy. I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, basically, uh, if you cut, are they evergreens? Yes. If you cut them down too low, you're going to basically kill them. Okay. So well, that's what you have to be. You, know, you have to be concerned with or worry about. Okay, who can I get to cut them down for me? Uh, where do you live in this? I would maybe uh, go to, let's see, maybe contact, do you know of any garden centers that are close to you? No, I don't. Okay. Um, maybe call the community college at Merrimack. They have a horticulture program in and have, uh, you know, contact the horticulture program and see if there's some students that would be able to come out and take care of you. Okay, because I, it's, it's out of my, I cannot do it anymore. Right. So maybe, I mean, get some students from the community college at Merrimack okay. from their horticulture program. Okay, thank you, Mike. Certainly. Bye-bye. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. The news you heard on KMOX. The Cathedral of Notre Dame. It's a terrible scene. A terrible blow for Catholics. Leading up to Easter. Resurrection and rebuilding. The Mueller investigation. The release of the full report. There was no evidence. No collusion. Of the Trump campaign. No obstruction. What's next? It's definitely not over. He did not exonerate the president. You'll hear it here. We need the full report. Robert Mueller to testify. As the new week begins. And now we're having an academic debate over obstruction of justice. We'll see what happens, folks. On News Radio 1120. KMOX. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, and joining me right now is Tom Thorpe. Tom Thorpe is part of the St. Louis Composting Organization. He is actually from the Belleville facility. And Tom, what's your background? What brought you into this industry in the first place? Oh, golly. Uh, what brought me in would be uh, a midlife change of careers. Really? I was, I was in architectural sales before I uh, got into the uh, the green industry. And uh, What a change. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, <laughs> when, I, uh, when I started into the green industry, I had a little ground uh, background as a home gardener and uh, just sort of parlayed that took some uh took some classes talked to a lot of folks and learned my way and uh uh, gosh it's turned into a career so now you're over in the belleville facility Mm -hmm. which is the largest and i've been there a couple times right it is impressive oh yeah it's gosh like 60 acres it's very very large so now i know it's on mine hall road but Mm -hmm. is there a tricky or easier way to get try to figure out mine hall because sometimes it it cuts between yeah it's it's a crazy road i think the best way to to uh talk about the location would be uh highway 158 that goes between millstadt and belleville and frank scott parkway west right sort of right in that little triangle there and uh 
when you're coming down Frank Scott Parkway, if you if you look off to the left, you can see us. Right. <laughs> There's big piles of compost and leaves and all sorts of things that uh, we, we make product out of. Yeah, I knew it was Frank Scott, you know, because, you know, when the first time I went there, I tried to do the mine hall thing, and it went down some crazy, you know, crazy yeah, you can, way. You can get lost in St. Clair County very easily <laughs> down there. Exactly. So uh, you guys are open five days a week, six days a week? Uh, six days a week. Six uh, days a week. Basically, it's uh, 6.30 to 4.30 um, on weekdays and then uh, 7 to 3 on, on Saturdays. Okay, and then no Sunday hours, right? Uh, not at that location. Right. And I think Valley Park's the only location that you know that has you know, Sunday hours. I, I think you're right there, yeah. Mike. <laughs> but they will not be open tomorrow because it's Easter. No, so we're gonna we're gonna have Easter dinner tomorrow. Yeah, everybody, you know, at St. Louis Composting wants to welcome and tell everybody have a great Easter because the organization is just. I mean, they're just kind of into people. They're into quality products and everything else. I'm sure that's why you've stayed as long as you have. Yeah, it's uh, it's very fulfilling and uh, rewarding to to really help things out and uh, and to do the right thing by the planet and uh, you know not not bury all of our green waste and let's let's turn it back into plants. Right. I'll never forget. You know, I was at this facility with Patrick right when he first started, mm-hmm. and uh, it was like uh, what the what it was was the landfills were saying no more green waste can be mm-hmm. you know sent to us and so he just saw this as an opportunity to you know to help the environment sure and that's what he was all about right. and that whole attitude has continued on with everybody that's on the staff and everything else right yeah so how many people do you actually have at the belleville facility working so it varies a little bit seasonally but generally speaking there's uh about six folks that are there all hands on deck uh, right. and then when we have special projects uh, where we're, we're doing uh, some special screening or manufacturing we'll bring in some folks from our other locations great perfect yeah well thanks Tom absolutely glad to talk to you yep and now let's go back to the phones let's go to Christine and Christine lives in Kirkwood hi Christine Today. yes go I ahead Christine Digger the tree cut down and when they dropped the logs it hit the root system of another tree about four feet from the trunk um, and it hit roots that are about five inches and broke them in half um, is that going to kill the tree and what do I do just fill in the hole so in other words they dropped a log or a branch or a limb off a tree and then it did some damage to the root system of a different tree is that what you're saying yes sir uh, i would say anything that that's on the bark that's frayed or anything like that of the bark of the root i'm assuming that you can see the roots the roots are surface just get all yes, that sir. stuff off other than that uh if there's a hole you've definitely backfill the hole but don't do anything else. Okay. Yes, sir. So Thank just you. the dam, you know, any of the frayed damage as a result of, you know, the, this thing must have come down really hard because if it hit, you know, the root system and did damage like that, that's kind yes, of sir. extreme. Yes, sir. So. And the hole is probably about three feet by four feet and broke two roots that are about five inches wide diameter. Yeah, that seems incredible. Now, did the company that did this, are they willing to take care of this? I have not contacted them yet. It's my father's house, and I I took care of the roots or the trees for him. 
I just noticed it actually this week. I would contact them. To yes, be sir. honest. Yes, sir. Because they're gonna. I mean, it's this was that kind of damage is seems extreme. So, yeah, it seems pretty bad to me too. I was right. I was listening to you, and I was just like, I need to call about this and see if I what I can do because I'm scared it's going to kill that tree. Yeah, absolutely. If it did that kind of damage and made that deep of a hole, that just seems, you know, kind of unbelievable. But uh, yeah, I'd yeah. I'd get a hold of them. They're yes, responsible sir. for I, the damage. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. All right, great. Thanks, Thanks. Christine. Mm-hmm. Now let's go to Brad, and Brad is in St. Louis. Hi, Brad. Hi, Mike. Um, question: I've got two um, Japanese maples. One came out, looks beautiful. The other one. It barely is anything showing. It shows that it's alive, but is it? it does that telling me that tree that tree is under stress? Very much so. And if it's again, if trees, shrubs, anything does not put out any foliage, then it can't make any food because it's nutrients and moisture coming up from the root system combine in the leaf with the sunlight that the leaf absorbs. If there's not foliage there, even if it's shade and everything else then the overall health of the plant is not not good and it's going to get worse and worse and worse anything i can do to help it i would say no you know it's going to maybe keep your fingers crossed but uh, there's nothing else i mean there's been something that caused this to happen and you're not going to be able to fertilize you're not going to be able to do pretty much anything that's going to make all that much difference Pruning is not going to help because that's going to reduce any kind of leaves that may be, you know, coming out on the part that you've pruned off. I would say just leave it alone and just, you know, hope for the best. Okay. One other question. Uh, They talk about using coffee grounds in your soil. Does that do anything to the soil other than enhance its uh, workability? Uh, It does help, you know, a little bit of the acidity, and it is organic, but uh, you you really need a whole lot of coffee grounds and... uh, yeah, I think that's. I don't want to say it's an old wives' tale, but it's it's okay. But I I wouldn't put a whole lot of let's say any merit to it than how much it's going to do. I mean, my grandmother always put you know coffee grounds around her roses, and she had great roses. But I think there's other products that are specifically for you know improving soils and things like that beyond the coffee grounds. And I know I get emails from people all the time, you know, telling me about the coffee grounds and other things as well. But I, you know, I'm just speaking from my own personal, you know, perspective or standpoint. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Yep. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we're live and lively at St. Louis Composting Valley Park location. Uh, man, this place has just been absolutely a beehive of activity. And uh, let's go right now to Oakville and see what's going on with Linda. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Good morning Hi. and happy Easter. Same to um, you. I, I heard uh, several callers calling about that there have been age, you know, that they can't do their yard work anymore. And mm-hmm. um, we found out that Vianney and other high schools in the area, Vianney's and Kirkwood, and I know in Melville, too, specifically, that they have a, a program where the kids need to do service hours. And they come, you know, they're part of their service hours. They will come to elderly people's homes and do work, 
you know, in the yard and that that they can't do anymore. So I just wanted to kind of report that out to the listeners and let them know. And they said That's gr- our neighbors our neighbors had them at their parents, and they said they the kids were just wonderful. They really? did a great so, job. Yes. I was, I'm curious. So you haven't had the experience yourself, though, but you've known somebody that has? Yes, our neighbor. As far as having the kids. Our neighbor, yes. Well, we okay. actually did have the Melville kids come to our church and do a project. It was, they, we had this chat on some beds that we wanted to turn into flower beds, and the mm-hmm. kids came and, you know, like, removed all that chat. That was their service project at our church, and then we could go in and till and, you know, add compost and plant flowers and stuff up there. So we did have an experience with Melville, and our neighbors, who are good friends of ours, they had the experience with Vianney. And they said they came to their elderly parents' home, I believe it's in the city, and they said they just were wonderful. Well, so the, I, you know, what I, I wanted, how, so do these kids actually bring tools with them? That I'm not sure. They would, you know, they'd have to call Vianney and find out if they actually had the tools. But I think a lot of older people, yeah, a lot of older people have, you know, have tools, but they just don't have the ability to use the tools anymore, you know. Right. So when they came to take the the chat, you know, rock away from at your church, uh, did they have shovels and everything else, or did the uh, church supply them with the shovels? Well, I think it was a little bit of both. You know, I think some okay. of them brought their own shovels, and then we had some shovels and stuff there, too. But, All right. Um, and with Vianney, I'm not totally sure. But, you know, it is um, a source, you know, for help for older adults who would like Absolutely. to stay in their homes and still have gardens. I've never so. really, yeah, I've never really heard of that. So thanks for the insight on yeah. that. I, yeah, I heard you mention the community college, which may be a source, too, but uh, these two right. schools I know specifically do that for service projects, and I'm sure there's more. Right. Yeah, I just mentioned the community college because they have a horticulture program, and she wanted some shrubs right. pruned and everything. So, well, thanks again, yeah, Linda. I think Bianni, appreciate Bianni will do that, too. So, okay. okay. Thank you. Perfect. Yep. Let's go now to Shiloh and into Vince's yard. Hi, Vince. Hi, Mike. I've got a very long rock driveway, and about three years ago, started getting these large patches of this thick, slimy green stuff. Uh, I went online, looks like it's something called Nostock. I tried uh, weed killer, uh, Roundup, I even tried bicarbonate soda, and tried burning it, and I can't get rid of it. What did I do about this stuff? Wow. If you've tried all that and nothing's actually worked, so you have a gravel driveway. Yes. Hmm. And you've tried to burn it, and it didn't get rid of it. No, it came back the next year. Oh, my goodness. So, to be honest with you, I don't have a clue. <laughs> um, I heard that there was an antifungal product out there someplace, but I didn't know what it was with date. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, this just doesn't, you know, I, to be honest, I, I hate to give you some advice and not and not really have any, let's say, good, <laughs> strong facts behind it, but... Uh, Oh, Maybe it's, it's been more. it's been a struggle. Yeah, I don't know how thick is the rock on your driveway. Um, well, I've had several layers put on it, so it's, I would guess eight inches, maybe. It's eight inches, and it's still coming up through that. And I'm assuming it's like chat yep. rock. It's white. 
Yes, yes. And it's actually so, just on top. It sits on top of the rock. There's not okay, so since it's, yeah, it's chat rock, that means whatever this is, it's growing. It's growing on a, an alkaline soil. So what I would maybe consider using is trying vinegar. Oh, thank you. Because okay. vinegar is acidic, and this stuff is growing where it's salty, alkaline. So maybe you know, going contrary to what makes it, you know, let's say, survive or it's able to survive might be the way to go about it. Well, that's, that's keeping this, some of the chemical five years, so thank you. I'll give you a shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's just that's strictly fine. a guess. All right. Thank you, man. Yep. Now, let's see. Let's go to, let's head out to uh, Matt, and Matt is in Arnold. Hi, Matt. Hi, how you doing? Good. Um, I uh, I have a pink dogwood that I planted as a memorial tree for my daughter, and uh, this is actually the third tree we've had there. Uh, the first two didn't make it. And uh, it, just, uh, it just started to have the pink cornices come out. Uh, I don't know whether it's early or late, um, because like I said, I've had three different varieties now, and they all operate a little differently. Uh, so first of all, I wanted to know whether or not that's about the time for, for the pink dogwoods to start to bloom. And also, is there anything that I can do to really uh, help boost the survival rate of this tree? Because uh, it's really quite important to me and my family. Yeah, first of all, the I mean, if it's in bloom, that's fine. That's great. Dogwoods overall are in general like an acidic soil. So if you're really serious about this, I'd get some a soil test done in the area that's surrounding where it's planted. And if you've had three, two other trees in that same location that have died, maybe, you know, the, it's just a horrible location for whatever you're trying to grow there. And hopefully yeah. you planted it properly with like the, you dug the hole three times the diameter of the root ball but only about 80% is deep. So in other words, the top of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. Right. But, yep. you know. Yeah, we, we did that. I think the first okay. one was just sickly. But, uh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I would get some iron sulfate, make sure that soil is, you know, acidic, and that's probably... Uh, and then, again, as I always talk about deep root feeding, where you auger holes around the tree and backfill those holes with compost to feed the soil. So changing, making sure the soil's acidic, and then improving the soil, that would be my recommendation. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yep. Certainly. My pleasure. And, boy, folks, this is going to be thanks to everybody for coming by and saying hi and everything else. And I want everybody to have a great Easter it's a, a totally wild time of year, and I can't, I mean, spring is here, and just enjoy everything because it is absolutely so striking this time of year. I actually, coming down to the St. Louis composting from my home in South City, I got off the highway because I wanted to drive through some of the neighborhoods and just see some of the trees because I don't remember all the trees, you know, looking so spectacular as they are this year. And uh, just take some time, you know, catch your breath and enjoy. Enjoy the sun, enjoy nature, and uh, enjoy your landscape. So just take it easy and have fun again. Happy Easter to everyone. Mike Miller and Alex and Greg, we all want to wish you happy Easter. So I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.